Hello and welcome to Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer one movie at a time. My name is Joel. My name is Sarah. And my name is Muad'Dib, Aaron. Aaron Muad'Dib. This week is Dune from 1984, directed by David Lynch and written by David Lynch based on the novel of Frank Herbert, starring Kyle MacLachlan, Francesca Annis, Brad Dorif, Jose Ferrer, Linda Hunt, Freddie Jones, Richard Jordan, Silvana Magano, Everett McGill, Kenneth McMillan, Jack Nance, Sith Bag, Jurgen Prochnow, Paul Smith, Patrick Stewart, Sting, Duncan Jean Tockwell, Max von Sydow, Alicia with John Young, Danny Corkill. <laughs> so, like, the Emperor, is he related to the Ferrer who was in Robocop? Uh, yes, he is. That's actually his uh, son. His son? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, okay. I-, I was thinking about those connections because yeah. maybe he was, like, David Lynch was like, I want Jose for my next project, and it's like... Well, have you met my son, Miguel? Oh. Or maybe him and Kyle were friends before or something. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Because he's into it. Miguel's into it big. Oh, that's right. He was. Mm-hmm. He was. This was a listener pick from our dear friend, Scott Cherry, who we all miss because he moved away from the area. Hey, more power to him, Shout really. out to Scott Cherry. Yeah. We miss you. You were you're, we hope you're doing good. <laughs> oh, he's like living in a mansion in in uh, in Los Angeles now, right? If you if you check out his uh, his uh, Instagram, uh, barbarian underscore rage, you can see that he is uh, thriving in uh, his new place of uh, living. He's got an excellent new operation area for all of his uh, action figure mm. creation needs. Dude's been making some pretty sweet figurines. Yeah. So I highly recommend checking out his. Uh, Instagram, if you have one of those. Money, yeah. money, money, money. We oh, have wait. talented friends. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Thanks, thanks, Scott, for this pick. Yeah, this is, this is thank a, you. This is a treasured <laughs> movie, and I can't wait to trash it and have a great time with it. Oh, I've never heard it. I mean, uh, this is the first time I'd ever even heard of this thing, Aaron. Oh, so, Dune? Yeah. Man. Well, I mean, what do you know about Dune? Uh, well, there's this guy, see, his name is Frank Herbert, and one day he was like, you know what? Worms, sand... Spaceships, acid, <laughs> acid trip. Yeah, Just sprinkle it all the. You know, yeah. always doing the thing. Yeah. <laughs> the originator of the thing. Yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, yeah, history with Dune. It's a big deal, but people hate this movie. They hate it. <sighs> David Lynch hates this movie. He does. Yeah. And he took his name off it. It was, for the longest time, it was the really? Alan Smithy movie, which is, oh. you know, the nom de plume directors use when they don't want their name on it anymore, or writers. I was unaware of this. Yeah. I was unaware of this. He disowned it. And, did did uh, he get made fun of a lot for this movie? I, perhaps I the, mean, I don't know. I, I, I haven't really done a lot of research into, like, 
like um, the critical acclaim at the time for this movie, or you know, or you got what, e- what Ebert thought, you know. I don't know where I heard it, if it was in an interview or if it was in the documentary about Lynch and his art, but he's, I think he said something like he couldn't work under the, under the restrictions, really, that he was, that it was a lot, it was a lot, that the, the story was a lot, and oh, yeah. the producers wanted certain things, and yeah, the company behind it, and I don't remember all of it, but I just remember that he was disappointed because he felt like he was in an unwinnable battle. I mean, you have to say it's a Lynchian experience, whether or not, you know, yeah. he, whether or not he's proud of it. You feel like you've experienced something that's David Lynch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this other stuff in Dune. Well, it's, it's full of undeniable otherworldly like essence like it's when you think of science fiction movies so many of them are grounded in earthly things you know uh is star wars obviously farmers and knights and and stuff like that star trek obviously just you know the not too distant future with naval vessels and stuff like that but in space this is just full of alien after alien after alien concept yeah, the only thing that uh, we have in common is all the uh, the orgies people have in the desert, and we're all pooping in our clothes all the time, just like in do- what? Aaron, <laughs> are you pooping right now? Uh, I am not wearing a still suit. Uh, does, which, you which didn't would, answer the question, Aaron. Would, well, you're right. You're right, Joel. I, I have. Uh, I did go to the bathroom before we started recording. Okay. But that was in the appropriate spot, uh, your restroom. In, in, in my still suit. <laughs> yeah, inside your Don't still suit. Don't poop in my still suit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just... Look, one of the highest honoraries uh, that the Fremen can give one to the other is uh, giving them their... You're giving your water to oh, someone gives else. gives you, yeah. Yeah. So, Joel, Joel, you know, just take that into consideration. I, I prefer it after it was processed. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I gave my water to you. You took a crap on my suit. <laughs> Same oh. thing. Oh, man. Off to a great start. I'm so excited. It's, yeah, so it's an important detail. It is. It's, it's, you got to pick something juvenile and stick with it. That's right, Joel. <sighs> Aaron, tell us about Dune. Come on, man. All right, well, Come it's on, a, get, like, like we put this on. and, and It's a tale as old as time, Joel. Politics. And you just sat. You sat back in your chair, smoking a pipe, like <laughs> a tale I know well. Oh, I. I mean, I. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Okay, it's it's a political tale, you know. Uh, uh, somebody wants to get rid of somebody, so you know uh, uh, the best way to do that is to, uh, you know, not get your you not get your hands you know covered in blood or whatever is to you know have someone else do it for you. Right. So uh, you know somebody was taken off of a certain position and someone else was was uh added to that position to get bumped off and then the rest is supposed to you know kind of work for itself or whatever and uh that's not the case though it's not the case there were certain things that the emperor of space or whatever you want to uh, <laughs> emperor call it. of the known of the universe known planets yeah yeah you know <laughs> There's unknown universe that he's not the emperor of. <laughs> oh, true, true. Show enough. Um, there are things that he that he didn't, you know, account for, but that's just because, you know, 
He's no son of a Bene Gesserit. Right. He's, he's not a psychic. He's not a psychic. He's just the richest family, right? The Saudi. Yeah. It, are the, the Saudi cars, are, are that what they are? Or the, no, he's the. What is he? The Shada. The Quidric Cedric? No, no, no. I'm talking about the Emperor. What oh. is this? You know, I don't know what it, where he hails from, to be honest with you. It's an uh, unknown knowledge to me. Family title. The, the I mean, Shabadoo. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. From Electric Boogaloo, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. But he looks like a pretty rich guy, you know? He's got gold embossed everything. And, uh... Padishah. Padishah, that's where he... Cl- okay. Although I'm not sure that's if that's the title or what. I'll have to, I'll have to pull out my star maps, yeah, you know? Yeah, get it out of here. Padishah Emperor Shadam Fourth. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. It sounds pretty dignitary. Aaron, you tell me. You're, t- you're the Dune expert. Look, Joel, I'm no mentad. You are a mentad. You just <laughs> you see these eyebrows. You just drank that spice. Oh yeah, I did. But you see these eyebrows? They don't. Uh, you know. That's because you trim them down. You're, you're very self conscious. Right. Your, your mouth is all. Orange. Oh yeah, I guess my mouth is definitely uh, fiery Cheetos. <laughs> Stain, stained like a mentad's mouth. You guys, this was my. Uh... I, I'm humbled by my uh, lack of knowledge of this world. Mm. I have never read the book, and this is only my second time seeing the movie. And it felt like the first time again. <laughs> I can't say that for very many movies, but but the first time I watched it, I w- thought they were somehow, like, communicating. Okay. When they were whispering, but... They were just thinking, yeah. right? Yep. It it's like their inner monologue. It's like Garfield's thought bubble. People can't actually hear what he's thinking, you know. I thought John could, though. John is a mentat. Yeah. Yes. Or a, I guess he's a Bene Gesserit. I don't yeah. John is the Quidric Cedric. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Eyes. Yeah. White Dragon. Yep. That's <laughs> it. It's White Dragon. No, he's not Yugi. It's not I felt exactly the same way. We were watching it. Like, I've definitely seen it before. I think mm-hmm. I've seen it. I think this is my third time seeing it, but I still feel like uh, it's all kinds of stuff I wasn't paying attention to before. But I feel also like the last two times I was not a lynch anything. Like, I wasn't very familiar with his work. This time I'm way more familiar. And so I was seeing all these little lynch touches not not just like it's super weird or sure things that look uh <clears throat> strictly vaginal uh you know uh, puffing orange smoke yeah but uh yeah it's it's i mean it's a trip and if i hadn't read the book i'm absolutely positive there's no way i would have been able to follow it i i've seen this movie maybe a dozen times now in my life um i've read like, I've read a few of the books. I've consumed the uh, Sci-Fi Channel original miniseries, both, both the miniseries mm. they've uh, they've put out. Um, and I'm eagerly awaiting the uh, whatever project is going to occur next, because there is some news floating around of either a new uh, TV show series or perhaps a movie. Well, I, I, do, I don't have all the info on that one. Well, in Letterboxd, it's supposed to be the guy who just did the new Blade Runner. Oh, cool. But I don't know if that's just the, a rumor. Because people will just, like, build a film based on a rumor. An idea, yeah. On, yeah. Yeah, both IMDb and Letterboxd. It's like, get, 
you know, wait well, until there's firm details. No, no, no. What was it? Wasn't it a appeal? The guy who did Get Out, right? The director. Yeah. Like he, like everyone's saying he's been tapped to do Akira or whatever, but who knows? He's doing Twilight Zone. Oh. Cool. Cool. For CBS All Access, sign up for CBS All Access today to watch <laughs> Star Trek Discovery, STD, uh, NCIS, all of them. Uh, the good, the good wife, and the good fight. I hear a lot about the good wife. Yeah, it's great, mm-hmm. and you can watch it on CBS All Access. Nice. I think it's five dollars a month. <laughs> Use our special promo code. Uh, we don't have one. <laughs> the special promo code is Melange. <laughs> Spice Melange. That's right. Anyone who controls Arrakis controls the universe. Mm. They're just dousing themselves with it. That's in the book. They talk a lot about orange stained mouths, and uh, I, I like. I, I do you feel like, like there was a lack of that in yeah, this movie, like, except for the Mentats. The Mentats definitely had the orange stained mouths, but I think it was just because they were sloppy or something. Mm-hmm. No, the Fremen had that, and they're they're breathing it in all the time. It looked like they had hickeys on their mouth. Who, the Fremen, oh, the Mentats. Yeah, yeah, with their with their with their eyebrows. <laughs> it was just really chapped. Yeah, or some kind of problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fungal fungal growth or something. It didn't look orange to me. Yeah. I mean, it was nothing compared to Baron Harkonnen, who was Sarah's favorite character. Oh, oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. The uh, they definitely amped up the gross factor for the Harkonnens in this uh, particular movie. Gotta say. Uh, I'm a little desensitized from it because I've seen this movie a lot, but, uh, um, uh, yeah, it made me cringe this time. They're evil. Yeah. They should be evil all the time. Ever since I watched that Lynch documentary, I feel like I see a different side of him now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always saw the dark in his pieces and the things he was putting out there, but... Now I see it as like really dark, like not just not just an idea for a story, but like it's like he thinks there are real evils. Mm. I don't I don't think he sees it in a Christian way per se, but I I feel like it's more real for him than you would think in a way. And I think that when you see a villain that's just portrayed without any kind of you know, uh, spectrum of emotion. They're just all bad 100% of the time. It's kind of jarring. Yes. And there's this feeling, there's this feeling throughout that's like the suspense that he always puts in everything and the weird visuals. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of, uh, I mean, he's got, uh, that that dark side feeling down, like you're saying, that evil. But most of his movies play with a subtlety that Dune doesn't even have the slightest hint of. There's nothing, nothing subtle about anything in this movie. Maybe that's the reason why I like this movie a lot. It's pretty heavy-handed on a lot of the things that are going on in the in the, in the book. Throws you in the deep end. Doesn't care if you can yeah. swim or not. Yeah. Uh, here's a little story real quick. So one time, uh, I was hanging out with some friends at school, and, you know, I'd seen this movie a few times already at this point. They were talking about the book, 
And so to be cool, to be a cool guy and like, you know, uh, act like I read, I was, I was acting like I read the book with them and I was like, yeah, man, I really liked the part in the book when they were talking about the sonic weapons and, uh, they got real quiet and they're like, that wasn't in the book, Aaron. <laughs> I, blew, I blew my cover. Mm, I lost my cred. When you're young, you make mistakes like that. That's, but you know what I did? Thing, you know. I, 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 I fixed the situation because I went home and I went to my dad's bookshelf and I grabbed that Dune book and I read that book. I could see. And it was pretty tough. It was tough to get through. (laughs) Came into the house, put your backpack down, walked up to the shelf, reached out, grabbed it, slurred a slide out. Your father's hand. Yep. You're not ready for this, son. (laughs) (laughs) But, Dad, the other people at school are making fun of me. Oh, those nerds? Yeah, go ahead and read it. (laughs) Yeah, I, I tried to read Dune. It's difficult read. Four or five times before it finally snapped like because it is yeah it just just like the movie it just throws you into the deep and in the 10,000th year of 264 and the year of the Shaddam Emperor the Paddish the fourth the blah blah house Atreides house Torkers <laughs> something, something, yeah. Yep. And, and it did something that I, I am not familiar with, or I hadn't, I was not familiar with at the time, which is telling the narrative chapter by chapter through somebody else's POV. And, and that's like I said, that's a that's a George R. R. Martin thing now. Like yeah. I don't think a lot of people would be familiar with that. But I I haven't read another book that wasn't just one person's POV the whole time, right. or told third person, you know. Something like that. So, I don't know. But but now I've got all these, like, very distinct memories of the book. Like, there's a part where after Paul is attacked, or somebody attempts to assassinate him with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the, the, the hunter's secret the, device? Yes, the one that, yeah, that, as long as he doesn't move, it doesn't kill. That's right. Where the emperor is reacting to the news that somebody tried to assassinate his son, and he keeps repeatedly thinking, they tried to kill my son. And he's just, like, go, trying to conduct business, you know, rushing through, you know, maybe, you know, upping security. He is having other thoughts, but every once in a while, he just repeats that thought over and over again. It's, Frank Herbert was really good at writing. Yeah. Not like those other nerds. That's right. Like what, like Doctor Seuss or something. Yeah, he's okay. He's pretty good too. You know. Yeah. No, Doctor Seuss is. All right. Well, you said nerds. He's a hack. Okay. Oh. He could just make up any word he wants to rhyme. It doesn't. Uh, (laughs) That's not the way it works. Fair enough. (laughs) No, fair enough. Obviously. (laughs) So yeah, I I felt like I needed a glossary of terms. That I could look at when they said something and be like, oh, okay, that's what it, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> go up and down, like, well, read it, look back at the screen. You um, know, you know, it's rough when you gotta pause the movie and you gotta be like, all right, this is what's going on. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have no idea what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 
My, my favorite part was the moment where Joel paused it real quick to explain to you what happened, and then once we pre-press play, like, someone else on the screen ex- was explaining what, ha- what just <laughs> oh, happened. yeah. That, that was the part that made me laugh pretty hardcore. Yeah, I, um... I think I grasped it pretty well for not really knowing, and I have seen it once, so I think I gave myself a little bit of a of a, a head start. <laughs> nice. You at least knew some, certain things were going to be happening in a certain order right? because of your previous viewing. I just remembered when gross things were going to happen because right. I watched them the first time. Yeah, and I looked away for a couple things this time just because I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's really gross. There wasn't really a payoff for it in some of the situations, and I'm I'm just sensitive to it. I know not everybody is, but... But, uh, yeah, that character was my least favorite that was oozing and... Floating um, and laughing. Floating and laughing. They did a really good job of making the Baron Harkonnen gross. It was really Really. gross. They did a really good job of making him gross. gross out. That was gross out and... Uh, the the creature in the jar was gross out, and... There's a lot of textures in this movie. Yeah. A lot of people sprayed down some spray bottles before scenes were happening. You know, like... like yeah. Like, Things are wet. A lot, lot, lot of moisture. Since when you're in the desert, then it's not that way anymore. Yeah. I just couldn't believe the amount of money. Like, the mm-hmm. amount of detail and production that went into, like, models and, like rooms where something was going to be filmed and and clothes like it was some pretty deep lore there and and like you know some kind of like emblem seal ring that you could push into some kind of (laughs) Aaron's gesture it's a familiar thing for him. I mean, I've I've seen that before. (laughs) The signet ring. Like, yeah, like medieval settings where yeah somebody has that just as their seal for when they're sending off an official document or something like that but yeah but i thought this was connected to something technological like it was some kind of a machine or something it was a metal machine scroll or something but I it also know. had a wax seal on it yes that's the, that that's the part that was different for me is the combination of the yeah. old school and the Modern. Well, you see, they're not allowed to have computers because of the machine war from the. Uh, no, I, I, you see that all would have been explained if we watched the extended edition. Oh which had, man, which has massive paragraphs at the beginning of the yes, movie. We should mention we did not watch the extended edition because we didn't want. Sorry, we three hours. We were okay. afraid we were going to run out of time. Aaron was going to fall asleep. The um, Sci-Fi Channel, when they showed the three-hour edition, it's actually like a six-hour edition oh, because, because yeah, of all the commercial down. breaks and, and whatnot. That's what they show, they show it four times on Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's it. That's the entire <laughs> block of programming. Sh- shout out to uh, Jeff Karakaburu, because uh, in high school I sat on his couch for six hours watching this movie. <laughs> I, don't know if he, I don't know if he has fond memories of it, but I do. <laughs> He doesn't listen to the podcast. I know. So we'll never know. It's, it's if cool. He has fond memories. Hey, you know what? I just got to. It, it's a good memory. Yes. It's a good yeah. memory. Yeah. I understand. Gotta give a shout out to shout your out. friends. So, 12 times. At least. At least. I, I don't have a And you're still memories. noticing things that you oh, didn't yeah. notice for the first time. Well, it's actually been a while since I've seen this movie. I think the last time I saw this movie was with you guys. Your, oh, yeah. Sarah's first, first yeah. time watching it. 
So there's a little. It's been over a year ago. No. Maybe more. It's got to yeah. be way more than a year Maybe ago. Two years, two I didn't years. watch this a year ago, so it's at least two years ago now. Okay. Yeah. But I have to say that there's little little details here and there that I that I had uh, either blocked out or just forgotten. Like when uh, when Paul is studying in his room on his Wikipedia. Uh, machine <laughs> that's not a machine. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. And videos. But, but he's watching, you know, it's got four buttons and he's pressing them. Uh, but I, I didn't, and it looks like he's all solitary just by himself in this room. And and then when, uh, you know, his, his advisors come strolling in to come talk to him, uh, it, you know, and, and after some pretty epic, you know, battle with uh, Patrick Stewart's, Stewart's character, uh, Gurney, uh, it's, then you notice that on one side of the room, it's just full of soldiers, and they're just being quiet. Just, <laughs> they're, yeah. just, they're just sitting there. Just hanging out. Uh, I, I'd, I'd forgotten this fact. He's so. studying. Go in there and, <laughs> and watch him. It just made me laugh. Yeah. On this viewing, I felt more like there was like a Hamlet-esque thing happening. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe just because of like conspiracy and like... The attempted assassination stuff that had to do with his line or whatever. And I felt like the tooth with the poison kind of reminded me of like the poison in the ear or something. The tooth. Yeah, the tooth. <laughs> I don't remember. What was I supposed to remember? I the forgot. The tooth. The tooth. <laughs> Look at my mustache. The tooth. Oh, oh my goodness. Dean Stockwell used to used to be a mustache actor, as he had the mustache in here and he had the mustache in the the Dunwich whore, and then he couldn't get that quantum leap job without shaving the stash. So people don't know because I think he's much more famous for quantum leap. No, he's much more famous for Paris, <laughs> Texas. He didn't have a mustache in Paris, Texas either. Now I think no, about it because I think he was supposed to look young. Yeah. You know? I, I dig that guy, though. I do, too. He's I starting do. to become one of my favorites. Yeah. See him appear on screen, I'm like, hell yeah. I mean, there's there's so many actors in this movie. I that, know. That, like Brad Dorff, I yeah, absolutely adore. Uh, obviously, uh, Sting. No, wait. <laughs> Brian Eno and Sting. Do you think they were jamming on set, like, <laughs> riffing yes. off stuff? And uh, Toto, huh? Yeah, Toto. There was a lot of choices made for this movie that made it very, very unique. Um, (laughs) And part of it was costuming, set design. Part of it was musical choices. Part of it was just the story of Dune itself. Like, that itself is unique. Yeah. Can you imagine what the soundtrack would have sounded like if, if Lynch himself had gotten to do it instead of Toto? Like, I, I don't think this soundtrack stands out very special. Like, uh, we, we've heard so many soundtracks from these from 80s movies where it was done by, a, you know, a, a rock band or something like that where you can, you know, they it's it's still a score it's still a score for the the entire film and then you know you'll hear the electric guitar and stuff like that it's like oh obviously you got to have the electric guitar That's this. It. and this one was just so in the extended edition mm. so okay the scene the scene where where, where Paul's studying mm-hmm. and yes. Patrick Stewart's character Gurney walks in with that uh huge 
bass lit or whatever whatever it is, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the musical device. You actually don't see him play it, but in the extended edition, he plays it twice. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> he, plays just, yeah. he plays it in the book, so. Yeah. 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 But uh, you can go on YouTube and there, there's a clip of Patrick Stewart just getting down. Jamming. Jamming on it. Anyways. It's awesome. Also, Space Pug. Yes, you didn't notice the pug. See, that's yeah. the thing. That's Space like, Pug? I think that's an internet famous photo of him, you know, running into war with a pug strapped to his chest. I, I really liked that. I forgot about the dog, and mm. that's surprising to me because, well, there's just so much in this movie, guys. This movie guys. is dense. It's hard to take it, it all dense. in. Yeah. And I think subsequent views allow you to get uh, no. more more out of it. I really liked the House Harkonnen's Mentat, the voice of Chucky. Yeah. Uh, that dude, he seriously makes the movie for that's me. That's Brad Dorf. Yeah. yeah, he makes the movie for me, like, so much. Just super creepy, but it's like his his hand gestures are the thing that just like he's on mentat. It's great. He's drinking his liquid. That's right. He's doing his quote. Let's quote. Oh, uh, I don't have memory. Ah. I'm sorry. I set my mind in motion. Uh, I drink the drink of Sappho. It, it, uh, sorry, this is off the cuff, guys. <laughs> no, <laughs> Stain, was- it stains the lips. Yeah. I set my mind in motion. It's the yeah. lotion on the skin. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Add that in there, too. <laughs> Excuse me, guys. I got to stop doing Dune to go do an X-Files episode now. Uh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. That's when he was a psychic. That's right. He told Scully about his fa- her father. Yep. I dig that guy. Yeah. He's a, he's a good actor. There's just so many images left in my mind. And, uh... Yeah, this movie is, it's unlike a lot a lot oh of gosh. other movies. It, I mean. I wanted to expound a little bit on what you'd said earlier about the sets. Because mm-hmm. I think the amount of detail, uh, even for as long as this movie is, like, you, it's just beautiful. Every set is just so amazing to look at. Um, starting even from, like, you know, the House Atreides planet with, like, the intricate, like, doorways and like the tile work, like you, you mentioned, Sarah, while we were watching the tile work in uh, the uh, that was on the uh, the the base on on uh, Arrakis. Arrakis, yeah, amazing, yeah. Like how corrosive the uh, Harkonnens uh, scenery was, and yeah, I mean that's like yeah, their, their methodology of, of trashing things, factory slaughterhouse, but it's like it has so much detail in it, also. The little detail of them just tossing things into the water, you know, just, like, their planet must be so polluted by how, like, they're just <laughs> tossing junk into It's all the- boiling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's some really random non-sequiturs that happen in this movie. What are you talking about? Where it's like, what? No. And one of them was the part where she remembers, like, a romantic time <laughs> well, she was with him. There's a reason why. And that's to to preface that they they did actually have sex at some point, and that's why she has a baby. That's how you get babies. That's how I figured that out from this movie. <laughs> oh! If we hadn't seen the flashback of her being with uh, Jurgen Prock now, uh, I feel like it was probably the night before, and that's why that's when he uh, she was impregnated with uh, Arya, right? Yep. Yeah. 
And that's the um, that baby. I'm staring that blankly. Baby, <laughs> the baby imagery is gross in this movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I think that. Yeah. Yeah. Not not good. I feel like they got like a kiddie pool full of like I don't know jellos like and thick, weird thick, thick clay layers red. of things, and, <laughs> and they put a baby in the middle of it and like put fig blood all over. Yeah, and I mean, why? That's David Lynch, I guess. I don't why do you know, need like, to see the baby in there? It's like we we could just show a regular baby. Like, you know, the, the image shot of her stomach and stuff like that. But in my mind, the baby's swimming in a pool of blood and mucus. And, you know, it's, <laughs> that's just what I see. I'm sure some people love, love, love this movie, like, more than anything. Aaron's and, pretty good. Yeah. yeah and yeah. No, no, it's okay. no offense. No it's criticism. Okay. I, I'm just seeing it from my own perspective. I mean, no, no. And right? I'm very thankful yeah. for, for your perspective, Sarah. Thank yeah, you. you can have criticism. You can't be blind, you know, yeah. to to the problems with this movie. Like, there's a reason why it is maligned. I don't. I think it is kind of unfairly maligned. You know, treated like it's the worst movie. You know, some people have ever seen, which might be true. To those people, I say you need to watch more movies because there's a lot worse crap out there. But yeah. there, I mean, it definitely has problems that we can talk about. But I, sure. I, I'm enjoying the good train here. No, oh, I'm happy. I'm happy for some criticism too. But the baby I, is gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I, yeah, I think some people probably really don't like the movie. But yeah, there were some really crazy, just random things that happened. And I was going, wait, is this a vision dream or is this really happening? Like. Some sometimes I wasn't sure. It's a dreamscape. It's a a melange of dreamscapes. And then I was confused about the spice because I feel like you guys know more because you read the book. But like, is the spice something you can eat? Like a koala bear eats like eucalyptus leaves, it's, and it's, it gets them intoxicated. It as needs to well, be processed or? to be a certain way. It can be processed in certain ways in order to be used for different things, I would assume. Right. I feel I feel like it's typically either processed into a liquid yeah. or it is as uh, you know, uh, like saffron. You know, like literally a spice. Mm-hmm. And the, the form it takes in Arrakis, as far as I know, is that it is it is like a, a powder uh, that that's left behind by by the worms, and they're they got the harvesting machines that are like literally separating it from the sand into whatever tanks they have and stuff like that. But like like Aaron said, they don't typically most people aren't aren't taking the straight up version except for the uh, whatever the the space bender people, the guild, are. The, the guild, the space guild. I feel like this is a really hard story to tell in a movie. Yeah, that's one reason why it's criticized. Yeah, yeah, I get that, and i I feel like I feel like the actors did a good job, but there were some moments that are just so out of this world and over the top that you don't. I didn't know what to feel, like the parts with the um, what do you call them? The the ones that have the voice. The, the, the Bene Yeah. The nuns, what, basically. What is, what is that all about? I mean, they're... they're uh, <coughs> Aaron, Joel. Aaron. Joel. <laughs> they're they're a, a sect of psychic witches 
that have a religious order that are only, uh, basically they uh, assign them to people of, uh, you know, of power as concubines for the purpose of continuing the line of the Bene Gesserit. So they're only allowed to have women. But the, the purpose of that was that eventually they were going to unite two great houses. Uh, that was the plan to finally have one of the, the Bene Gesserit give a male heir. And that was going to be the whatever that word is that I can't say. The Quidric Cedric. Quidric. The Quidditch. No. The Quid. <laughs> Cedric the Entertainer. There you go. Yes. Quid- yeah, Quidditch and but, Cedric the Entertainer. As we said, Jessica, who is the Duke Leo's uh, concubine, broke the rules because the Duke wanted a son. And she fell in love. And decided to give him a son. And that f***ed up all the plants. Like, they've yep. been doing this for hundreds of years. Hundreds hundreds of years. This this cycle of only having women and teaching them the, the weirding ways. You know, quotation marks. It's, it's all a reference in the book. But they're, they're basically space witches. With a religious order. Is, is like, the okay. easiest way to answer it. Why do they? Why are they concubines with people in power? Just to always, so that they are always in a position of power themselves. They have influence over, you know, great men or whatever. And they feel that someday that there would be an appropriate male heir who would be the most powerful being in the universe. Yeah. So, so they're just kind of biding their time, waiting for that moment. They they obviously don't have like a, a calendar date as to when as to when that's going to happen, and right. so that's why they found it so offensive that um that the duke's concubine had had chosen to have a male heir. Mm-hmm. Yes, because that was not supposed to happen. Uh-uh. The the uh, the mother superior of it, which I can't remember what her actual title is, was like we wanted him to have a daughter so that he would unite the heart with the Harkonnen son, and they would unite the families. And then maybe we were thinking about, you know, having the male heir. Yeah. Maybe. Super being. Mm-hmm. So that never happened, right? Right. They did. I mean, technically, they did unite the families because Jessica, in the books, it's revealed that she is related to the Harkonnens. Uh-huh. And if you notice in the movie, she's got red hair. And all the Harkonnens are all redheads. That's true. That's true. But it's not. I don't know if that's te- treated as, you know. It's revealed in the Children of Dune book. Oh, that she was a Harkonnen. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of one of those weird afterthought things that well, so become crazy. become so. Yeah. Yeah. And then we haven't even talked about Duncan Idaho yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's yeah, Duncan okay. Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> Duncan Idaho, the most important character of Dune. Of course, uh-huh. <laughs> Duncan. What you up to? Nothing? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you just hug Paul real quick before you get a, a bullet to the brain? He flew Fair off enough. he flew off to the Arrakis to make sure everything was okay for the for the Duke. The Duke Leto. And he was like, No, things are <laughs> up. <laughs> man, you shouldn't have come here. It's messed up, man. Yeah. Let's take a little break here. Sure thing. Okay. I wanted to read an email that we got. From a listener. Oh? And uh, I'll just have to say that uh, I told you guys that this would happen. 
So here's the uh, email. Subject line, how dare you? <clears throat> you called Frankenstein's monster Frankenstein. Do you know who you are? You who are the monsters? You are the monsters. Ah! Only kidding. Really enjoy the podcast. The last few episodes in particular crack me up. Keep up the good work. Take care, Allie. By the way, does the fact that you're based in Ventura make you the aces of Ventura? Uh, that is from our, our pal Alistair Pitts, who does the uh, Russell Files Unite podcast. Aces of Ventura. And uh, I have to say, uh, that that joke at the end is, is just purely upsetting. You know, Aces of Ventura. <laughs> Ace Ventura. Oh. <laughs> Anybody got any Ace Ventura jokes there? <laughs> All righty then. I don't know. I immediately thought of the mask for some reason. Thanks, Alistair. Smoking. Yeah, it's a nice letter. <laughs> I do think it's funny that. Thank you, thank you, Alistair. We said that would happen. It's and funny he took that the challenge. Like to us, like somebody say Ace Ventura just because, like, whoosh, like because we're not like we're so used to the word Ventura. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're not thinking of it in the context of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Got to get that Miami Dolphin ring. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get that inappropriate reaction to a trans person. (laughs) Mm. You know what we are? We're the uh, we're the Jessies of Ventura. (laughs) 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 Magnets, bitch. Not that Jesse. Jesse I'm Ventura. not the Jesse of Ventura. Are we going to go? Oh. I'm the Sarah the Snake Roberts of Ventura. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. Well, I'll see you in the ring. <laughs> <laughs> and Aaron is the pallbearer. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> I feel more like the road warrior of Ventura, but that's okay. The road warrior? Yeah, you know. They got the spikes on their uh, <laughs> football Inappropriate football. Oh, the, 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 the they're like two of them, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're taking me back. Yep. The few times I've, it's I, I never watch wrestling. I wasn't involved in it either. But the like the action figures and all those concept yeah. costumes, I was like, this is fascinating. Yeah. I want to watch it. This is fascinating. <laughs> this guy's got a, a boa constrictor. Uh, that person's wearing a dollar sign. I don't. <laughs> I'm very thankful that there are individuals out there who've taken all the very interesting clips. Of these wrestlers, like, taunting each other mm. and made series of YouTube videos of them. Because <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun, especially Macho Man and Hulk Hogan's interactions. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I have no actual memory of any of it, but it's just fun to watch that on YouTube. Mm. Have you seen that video that's like, wrestling is a soap opera, and it, um, like, explains the whole storyline? It's so yes, good. Yes, a long by, by, by Max yeah, Landis. It's worth it. It's good. It's good. Wrestling isn't wrestling. Anyway, Frankenstein's monster. Oh yeah, man. It's not in this movie. Mm -mm. So okay, I'm sorry. I'm sure everybody is familiar with Dune, and I'm not. And I apologize. I know I'm on a sci-fi podcast. Only Dune heads listen to this. Um, but how how is it that he is impressing everyone? It's catching the worms. Oh, okay. So, 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 yeah. Part of the Fremen tradition is is that uh, uh, to gain your your manhood, you have to uh, you have to like ride on the back of a worm or something like that, right? 
Wow. Well, the, the reason why he's impressing everyone is because they've already got a mythology that says that an outsider will come among them and be the best of them. Yeah. And so they're already kind of strange, you know, weirded out by this person that they've, they've heard of previously, you know, from uh, the Shut Up Mates or whatever and uh, Dr. Dr. Three-Eyed Raven uh, <laughs> have already warned them. So he's already, I think at the beginning, they're like surprised that he's, you know, able to, that, that scene where he's like hopping around the cave while his mother is, has big Ed Hurley in, in, in the chokehold. <laughs> oh, he's got her in the sleeper hold. He's taking a death. <laughs> Look, she's using special Bene Gesserit Kung Fu moves. Oh, no, right? I know. Yeah. They have no idea. How powerful she actually is. It was Big Ed, and what was the other guy on uh, Twin Peaks that... That was uh, oh. Pete. Pete that, that lived... Uh, <clears throat> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, with his bright orange hair in this, but then mm. and then Twin Peaks, he wears that fishing hat, right? Yeah. Yep. Jack Nance. Yep. Rest in peace. He's a cool guy. Yeah. He is a cool guy. He's, he's the eraser head. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. I've never seen that movie yet. I, I have not seen it either. That makes me happy to mm. hear that. <laughs> yeah. Dude's got some intense hair. Yeah. In that movie. <laughs> um, but yes, that's why everyone is impressed. Plus his name is Paul, and that's that's just a you know, like a name that that cool. Everybody likes that name. Yeah, what? pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. I was gonna say it seems like there's a lot about, like, the economy of the <laughs> galaxy, too, and, like, its resources. So they were, like, initially the spice is the thing that if you're in the power of the spice, like, everybody will be under your control. But then, like, later on it becomes the water. Is that right? Well, or am I getting it wrong? <laughs> water is definitely important on Arrakis. On Arrakis yeah. specifically, water has to be taken has to come from you know either harvesting the few the, the the small amount of moisture that is available on the planet, or it has to be brought in from the outside. There's not like huge tanks of water in the book, right? Not that well. Um, the Fremen. Have large pockets of water that they've that they've hidden from the uh, houses that are that are trying to run their planet, right? Um, and that that is true to the book. They're able to survive with that, yeah, yeah. But their their intention in the book, at least originally, is not that we're going to change this planet. You know, like Stilgar's no. like someday. <laughs> no, the, the the water was just theirs, like like so that they could ha- the different Fremen tribes could could you know survive survive yeah 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 no, no they didn't they didn't plan on like changing their entire ecosystem <laughs> I think the Fremen were actually pretty happy with the way well other than the fact that their planet was constant under some other somebody else's rule I'm right. pretty sure they were happy with you know the way that they lived because that's all they knew you know? yeah yeah that's I don't feel we get so much like. Oh, an overabundance of detail on Atreides, on on Harkonnen, you know, without really actually learning anything about them. But I feel like we spend tons and tons of time with them. I feel like we don't get that much like detail of the of uh, the Fremen's like lifestyle and their their like individual religions or anything right. like that. They're just kind of like 
nomadic tribe. Okay, continue the story. And at the, at that point in the movie, you're like, okay, let's get on with something anyways. Exactly. You know, it's been like an hour and a half. And then, uh, yeah, he starts teaching them the weird ways. But I that's like some of the most interesting stuff to me. But I, everything is interesting to me. Oh, yeah. Part of the reason I felt like it must be so hard to tell this story is because they're talking about these things that are like have galactical ramifications, mm-hmm. but most of the time it's like story told with a couple people in a room, and <laughs> those yeah. couple people are sometimes like thinking it to themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like yeah, I get I get that it must have been difficult to communicate all that, and I and I do think it's a truly unique story and a unique vision of that story. But, um, my, yeah, my pre-existing knowledge of this is, like, pop culture stuff and, like, the show Togetherness on HBO. They, like, talk about doing some and about, like, exploring more possible ways of telling the story on there. But That's um, cool. That's cool. Yeah. But uh, I would like to watch that documentary that... Um, Scott told us about too. Oh, Jodorowsky's Dune. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's one that I've I've definitely wanted to watch as well. I just haven't sat down and done it yet. I feel like that's more that movie is more about Jodorowsky because I mean he fully admits, as far as I know in the documentary, that he'd never read the book and he didn't have any intention of doing it. Uh, so okay, it was just just the ideas he was working on, you know, Salvador Dali as the emperor of the universe. And stuff. Yeah, I got crazy ideas. I'm going to make this movie. No, no, I'm not. Nobody's going to give me money for that. Fair enough. Where where were the Beatles then? Uh, Dead. All of them. Not all of them. (sighs) How did they do the shots with the worms? I mean, it looked like they may have done part of it with models, part of it with them like standing against like a green screen or something. Yeah. I don't know. I think most of it was, yeah, exactly what you said. Models and stuff. They definitely built at least one wall that looked like, like, worm body. Mm -hmm. So that they could have the actors, like, crawling up it or trying to pull a rope up it, you know, and whatnot. And then they must have built something so that, like, uh, Paul Atreides could, like, stand on top of it. Yeah. You know. And there's that part where he gets up close to that wall and he, like, wedges open. Yeah, and you see the little bit of gunk underneath the the plate. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just one of the many $40 million details in this movie. (laughs) $40 million. $40 million in 1984 money. Wow. I can't believe the detail that they put into it. Yeah. Because every scene, you're like, wow, those costumes are next level costumes or. Wow, that room looks, you know, like it is from another planet. And they did go all the way and do the tiles and everything. And like, oh, that creature, you know, looks completely unlike anything human. Like, it's crazy how much they put into it. Yeah. Definitely. That crazy undulating mouth. All of it. Insanity. Mm-hmm. All the models, though, all the spaceship models, the yeah. oh my gosh, the gilded, the gilded, you know, weird 
doorway thing that all the ships have to go through in order to mm-hmm. fold through space. Awesome. So awesome. The stuff that reminded me of David Lynch the most was the stuff where, like, Kyle McLaughlin was having his, like, visions or whatever. Yeah. And there was, like, the, yeah, the imagery and the, yeah, the special effects, I guess. Definitely the one thing that I I feel is mostly criticized about this movie is the inner monologue bits that are thrown at you. It's pretty obnoxious sometimes. You're not used to hearing people whisper that much, just like in life. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're not in our, we're not in other people's heads, you know? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's kind of an unnatural reaction in general um, to see someone thinking something, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I just, Aaron's laughing. I was wondering why he thought it was so funny. Um, no, yeah, what? Exactly. That, was, that was my mind. There you so go. You didn't hear that, though, so. Pretend like you didn't. Ah. I wonder what it would have been. The Your movie boy. would have looked like if it, they had done a version without any of the, you know, mm. internal monologue out loud. Like there, I think there are a lot of specific shots where they like show a character just for a second, thinking like, "Mother is looking very worried," you know, and then cut back to whatever is actually happening, but. Cut out a bunch of those shots, and there. So that part where once again the the assassination device is in the room, mm-hmm. he's thinking like, "I can't move," you know, it, it's watching me or blah blah blah. Like, I feel like that would have had a lot more tension if it had been just. The device coming out. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't need an explanation for what was going on necessarily. You see a thing floating in the air looking around the room and it's got a liquid in it with a needle. Like, I think you could spell it out. Yeah. Visually, one would be like, oh, yeah, it's trying to kill him. What's that thing? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a unique idea that they did it that way. But I also think that it could... I think what a lot of people would have done is just adapted in the script as dialogue, some of it, and the rest of it would be, like, you know, intimated by looks and things like that. Right. By facial emoting and stuff like that. Way more show, way less tell. Yeah. But I I really think Kyle McLaughlin does an awesome job in it, and he looks so young. He looks so young in this. Let me see how old that baby was. And I love David Lynch for just a split second in like the machine room or oh. whatever that was. Yeah, yeah, he was in the spice. He was a spice miner. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Pretty cool scene there. He was actually in his early twenties when they did this. But still very young, obviously. Mm-hmm. Twin Peaks is uh, eighty-nine to ninety-one, I think. So, just a little bit down the line. Excellent. I didn't notice David Lynch. I have to watch it again now. Oh, um, when, uh, real quick, it's just when, when they were going to go observe the spice mining. Oh, he was that's, the miner. When I was, that's when I was in the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Cooking the spice for us. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. When they were they were in the uh, the weird aerocopters that I flappy wi- the flappy bird. I, I did the <laughs> flappy bird uh, 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 ship. I think it's great. Man. I just this is it's just a movie that you need to experience. Yes, yes, the the inner monologue stuff can be a little jarring, but what I really like about it is is that 
I've never seen anything quite like that before uh, seeing this movie. They don't, you don't normally have movies where people's inner monologues get this much, this much exposure attention, and yeah. attention, you know? And, and it's almost like little details that don't really matter that much to the overall story, but it's still kind of really interesting to think that, you know, all these characters are thinking these, these thoughts as like the grand, the grand uh, um, overall story is just kind of being thrown at you. And there was uh, so much they wanted to. S- I'm sorry. Oh no, go for it. Go there for was it. so much they wanted to say that they still piped in with the narrator sometimes yeah. too. Yeah, mm. it's crazy. This would be an excellent, yeah, TV series, like you said. And and the sci-fi because channel original mini was okay. It wasn't how long the best. It? It's 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 long. Yeah. It's long, but 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 I still like the movie better. Gonna be honest with you. I'm sure there are people who would disagree with me, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm not I'm not here to appease you. This is just my opinion. Why aren't you here to appease them? But the thing is, is at the same time, I'll, I just like Dune in general. I've seen it. I'll, I'll watch the minis again. Um, but I am interested to see someone uh, attempting this one more time. I, I would definitely feel that, that there's there's uh, something still in the material that hasn't been covered and, and would be really interesting to see. I think a lot of people feel that way. I feel that way even though I'm not, I don't know the book. I I feel like there's enough there that people have talked about it and it inspires the imagination. So I feel like there are still artists that could express more with it. Um, one of the first times I saw this movie, I was so, I was... I was like very deeply inspired and I immediately ran in my room and I drew a drawing of Paul Atreides, but I made like very, I I, like, I made sure to like draw every detail of the still suit, like perfectly. (laughs) And then, and then I drew like the signet ring on his finger nice, and then the the ceremonial dagger as well in his other hand. And then I remember just like holding it like, this is perfect. You know, (laughs) that's what I was thinking, like pinned it on my wall. That's awesome. That's awesome. So dumb. <laughs> that reminds me of another thing somebody might complain about. Not enough sting in this movie, right? Uh, stings in his underwear. Well, yeah, exactly. I was going to say. I was going to say that's a lot of sting going on right there. But that's another non sequitur for me. <laughs> what's his deal, or just why? Why is he hanging out in his underoos? There, it's that is a tough one because you want to look because you're like what the heck but at the same time they're showing that guy's face close up mm-hmm. and it's like what the that's he's coming out in his underwear and then gross and then what sting is just like really proud or something like i don't <laughs> his I, hands are like <laughs> i don't know they wanted to give a little bit of excitement i think for people uh and i mean <laughs> Stings, uh, he looks great. It wasn't even a costume. He just came to the set wearing that. It was like a little metallic cod piece, you know? And he like, was wearing one of his yoga diapers. And they were like, that's a great idea. I'm sorry, David. I was I was having tantric sex and I didn't have time to change. Sting, I've got an idea. Just another scene of uh, Baron Harkonnen lusting after a young man or whatever. Oh yeah, nah. See, that's <laughs> those Harkonnens. They they know how to have a good time. I guess I'll say that about them. You know, whether it's uh, attacking innocent people or uh, 
ripping out a cow tongue. Yep, a cow yep, or, or something. Or planning to stab people or back. Yeah. Uh, betray them. Yeah. Getting their pimples worked on. Well, you know, running, running Arrakis is a dirty job, and so they needed a dirty house in order to run that job. The universe did. Mm. And, uh, yep. So the hero in the, I mean, I don't know how the, the book is, but is, um... Duncan Idaho is the hero of all the books. <laughs> is Paul is Paul the central figure in the story, or did they kind of just assign him the central figure for this story? Yeah, he's definitely the central figure of the first book. The second book, also, basically. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, the second book is way more dealing with the ramifications of what he's he's been doing. With his newfound power, and then also uh, his experience. I don't know. The Dune Messiah, like, I've only read Dune and Dune Messiah in part of Children of Dune. And I gotta say, Dune Messiah is, a, is such a good book. Uh, yeah, it's like, that's why I, that's why I don't think I've been able to finish uh, Children of Dune yet, is because I, it's a little bit slower. On uh, the 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 you know the building up on on the story, yeah. But yeah, it is after that. It's no longer really a Paul story, except for that he's you know he's still like a religious figure. Yeah. <sighs> the two. I, I feel like there's all kinds of there's all kinds of details to talk about. I know. I feel like yeah. There's such some, a deep. I feel like I should have taken notes, but. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes when I take notes, I get distracted when we're trying to do the recording. You could have been toothing. <clears throat> we could talk about Toto. Oh, yeah, Toto. We already talked about Toto. He's the dog from The Wizard of Oz. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Oh, yes. I kind of have high standards for soundtracks done mm. by popular musicians because... Uh, Radiohead's my favorite band, and Johnny Greenwood did, uh, some pretty amazing soundtracks. <laughs> Johnny Greenwood is a composer. He's <laughs> not a rock star. I feel like that's the difference. I feel like some people are asked, hey, could you do, like, a musical score for a movie? And they'd probably be like, yeah, I'm interested. But then, like, some of them may actually be able to compose, and some of them may just be kind of writing... Some riffs, you know, some yeah. background guitar. I'm not saying I don't like Toto in this movie. I do. That's fine. I feel like I don't know what else would have... I guess I'm imagining if they were going to do an alternative to Toto, maybe something like the synthy 80s stuff, like... I have I have a, I have a proposition mm. uh, based on what you're just saying, Sarah. Uh-huh. I think uh, Queen... Oh. Would have made a very interesting Dune that soundtrack. Been, yeah, I was actually because when we, earlier when you were talking about Toto and and there was a couple like you know quick guitar riffs and in, 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 in like some of the thematic music and I was thinking I was thinking Flash Gordon. Oh yeah, and I was thinking like I don't know I just I just flash like Emperor Ming's like wedding wedding scene for some reason uh -huh. with the, the you know the electric riff they were doing on the on the, on the you know the 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 wedding march and I was like. Queen could do it. Yeah, totally. If any band could, could cover Dune, yeah. Queen could have done it. Totally. Yeah, that's... They did, um... Did they do... 
Highlander. Did, Highlander and Highlander. Flash Gordon. Yeah. Yep. Those are some pretty stellar themes mm-hmm. they created specifically for that material. <laughs> but I also feel that, that Toto had a certain tone that they were trying to take with this movie. Like, sure, there was, you know, some, some guitar in there, but there was a lot of moments of, like, of just kind of, like, chilling. Yeah. You know? To, like, reflect on, like, maybe, like, the, the flowing sand and, and the, the, the ref, you know, the water and, you know, all that imagery and whatnot. They tried, they're trying to make the, the sound kind of match that visual. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, totally. I, I think that it's, uh, it's definitely different than their usual stuff. Oh, yeah. And I do think that it, compliments the movie i was just saying i kind of have been blown away by some people like mika levi and some other people that have started doing soundtracks that are just so incredible and um Mm -hmm. i'm excited to hear more of what's possible and yeah this is definitely a unique choice and i think that that's cool that they did it like I said before, I think I think it's okay. I don't I don't think it's anything special. My vote would be Tangerine Dream. Oh dang! The Thief, Risky Business, The Keep, Firestarter, uh, Vision Quest, Legend. Let's see, Near Dark. I mean, these these guys have done a lot. Yeah, of uh, fantasy style soundtracks, and yeah, it's, I mean they they're good. Yeah, Tangerine Dream. There you go. That was good. That's a good choice. John Carpenter. Oh, well. Goblin. Everybody wants Goblin. Who doesn't? I don't know. Aaron, were there any, like, you've seen the extended edition. Mm -hmm. Besides the, uh, you know, Gunnery Halleck playing that uh, instrument, were there there any other super cool deleted scenes that... Uh, Nothing that could really flash to my memory. The, the, The jarring thing that I noticed was the intro. The intro difference. I had forgotten that the the theatrical version had the lady fading in and out <laughs> as there were like stars, you know, glowing behind her. Superstar Virginia uh, Madsen. But wait, uh, there's more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say it made me laugh almost immediately when you're like, "Oh, she's going away for good," and then nope, here she is again. Um, that's the most noticeable because in in the extended cut, there's definitely some paragraphs and some paintings detailing the history leading up to. Why the universe is the way it is. Okay. Oh um, uh, so yeah, they talk get, about the machine. Get wall. your number two pencil ready and your your multiple and you know answered answered questions. <laughs> <laughs> talk about the sea Georgies. No, that okay. that that's a sci-fi original uh, thing. Wait, sci-fi original talks about the sea Georgies. Uh, there's a lot more sex involved in the in, oh, okay. in the sci-fi mini. I definitely and, remember John, uh, not John Hurt, uh, William Hurt, getting down with uh, Lady Jessica. Yeah, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to see this much of William Hurt. <laughs> Got his shirt off, and he's like, I'm the Duke Leto, baby. Ow! I'll now, just have to take your word for it. That's a yeah. <laughs> See, lady, the thing is that that her her fading out face and stuff like that. She is an important character, just not really in Dune really, itself. In, yeah, the, the, they don't really talk about the fact that like eh, I, I probably shouldn't get into it too much, but but like yeah, she's important because she's going to marry you know right uh, Paul Atreides. But they never they never even like discuss that at the end. No, she's just like she's there in the beginning, and she like oh the the. Doom 
chapters are separated with her, like, uh, quotes from her because she wrote, like, the official history or something like that. And that's, I guess that was his way of representing it. But, yeah, in the movie, she's just, she's there in the beginning and then she's there at the end. Pretty much. I gotta say, they did a really cool job with uh, Paul's younger sister. Yeah. In, in this movie, super creepy. Oh, yeah, you liked her voice. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I found the children particularly disturbing <laughs> because none of them looked happy to be there, even for like a day of filming, and yeah, and that desert. one specifically was creepy. Yeah, Arrakis is not a place to raise your kids. She was having a good time wielding that knife. My brother's coming, man. At the end, and that was creepy too. Standing there with the the poison dart on her finger and the blade out, like, I killed some people. (laughs) Getting all high on that jihad. Mm -hmm. Duncan Idol, where are you? Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Look, he's a a hero, Joel. I know he is. He's important to the universe, so that much I can confirm. All right. All right, I'm going to read the outro stuff. You guys uh, think of a lesson that you learned from uh, David Lynch's Dune from 1984, starring uh, Linda Hunt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and uh, Anir. By the way. Anir from from Kroll. (laughs) By the way, I forgot to tell you. (laughs) The guy who played a near and crawl was also he's like the mentat. Also, the spice. <laughs> that's, that's so dumb in the beginning. Oh yes, I almost forgot. <laughs> oh man! In the original Metal Gear games, uh, Solid Snake would have to call in the big boss, and every once in a while, a big boss would be like, "I forgot to tell you." You'll need a parachute for this area. Like, what do you mean you forgot to tell me? I'm gonna, like a sneak. <laughs> a I'm going to die if you don't tell me this stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot to tell you. <laughs> you shouldn't it's shoot guards. Just pr- program it the right way mm-hmm. the first time. <laughs> if I was a sculptor, then again, no. Hey, if you got any suggestions or comments, write into please don't podcast at gmail.com. Or message us at Facebook at facebook.com slash PDSMIOS. And our Twitter account is at Outer Space Pod. If you listen to us on iTunes, we'd appreciate it if you subscribed, if you liked, and if you gave us a written uh, review on that. That increases our visibility and it'll allow us to climb the iTunes charts where we will finally see the light for what it is. Yes, climb the ladder. I am a 3R. I have many rungs left to climb, but we're not talking about that. If you have a few bucks, you can uh, donate to us through our Ko-Fi site, which is at ko-fi.com slash pdsmios. There you can drop $3 towards us to keep us fueled on energy drinks and uh, in you know deep into the rentals of the movies that you want us to watch. Check out our audio, uh, our podcast network at eartrumpetaudio.com for more shows like ours. All right, that's all I got. So you guys better have a lesson ready because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out of ideas and you're out of luck. What did you learn from the Shy Halud? What did you learn 
from Muabdib, from uh, other made-up noon words. <laughs> um, I learned made-up words. Ah, yes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Joel, what did you learn? What I learned is that I wouldn't be able to survive on Dune because I'll never be comfortable pooping inside of a suit. It's just unnatural. He didn't. None, neither, none of them seem to have a problem with it. Now, do they squat or do they? They just let it happen. I just don't. I don't like the idea at all. <laughs> I'll, ne- I'll never be the 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 Quidditch his wretch. The Quidric Cedric. Quidrack Cedric. Quidrack. Quidrack. The Quid The Quidditch Cedric the Entertainer. Yes. There we go. I'll never be the Quaker Oats guy. He could have been in this. Well, Joel, you just have to drink the water of life. Well, if Wilford Brimley was in this movie, it would just, he would have become the, the leader of the Fremen. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it couldn't happen. He's got too much charisma. I think uh, my serious lesson that I learned from this movie is that no matter how low your life might be at some point, that there's always going to be a moment where things are going to turn around for you. And uh, and that's definitely expressed in this in this movie because Paul sees his dad get killed. He sees his entire life get shattered before him. But he comes back. And... Uh, yeah, that's what that, that's the serious lesson I learned. Uh, the not so serious lesson I learned is that uh, a boy's best friend is his mother. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> his mother saved his life. Oh my god, they do have a weird relationship in this. <laughs> my serious, le- I don't know if I have a serious lesson from this. Uh, yeah, I thought of a few, like, jokes, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of something that, yeah, the first thing that came to mind is you can always just think it to yourself. (laughs) Um, Don't be afraid of your inner monologue. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, exactly. And the, and, like, part, I was thinking something about the, like, options you had but like the, yeah there's something about the confinement of their culture <laughs> but the, actually the first thing I thought of was everyone looks better with blue eyes but I was kind Glowing of half blue kidding eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what? You can still be a hero if you're intoxicated all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a good lesson at all. <laughs> I stay away from those kind of lessons. I'm oh, just kidding. <laughs> no, no. We'll, we'll see you next week, folks. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. More deep. <laughs> EarTrumpetAudio.com Ideas and Entertainment
loud and clear.